Hey friends, welcome to the club. We are a community of entrepreneurs focused on you, your growth, and the growth of your business. In this podcast, we highlight amazing entrepreneurs, giving them a platform to share their story, including valuable insights, tips, and advice from their journey and all the things they've learned along the way. Get ready to be inspired and informed, and let's go on a journey together to build the businesses of our dreams. I'm so glad you're here and part of the amazing Entrepreneurs Club. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Amazing Entrepreneurs Club. I'm glad you're here today for another conversation with an amazing entrepreneur. This week, I'm excited to welcome Naraj Kapoor, joining us all the way from Ireland. Naraj, how are you today? It's evening time, and I'm absolutely fantastic. Always great talking to you. I can't wait. Well, I really appreciate you joining me today, and I want to just jump right in and please share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do today. Uh, Well, today, hi, everybody. Uh, My name is Neeraj. I'm a trusted sales coach. I'm a LinkedIn trainer. And in April this year, I was incredibly honored uh, to be nominated as one of the top 16 sales influencers in the world to follow by Salesforce. And it's quite interesting. People call me when they want to close more deals. But when I spend time with them, closing deals is never a problem. People can't open deals. They can't engage. They can't send emails, really simple stuff people really don't know how to do. And my job is to help them do it much, much better. So, Naraj, when you think about your business and what it is that you do, obviously, you're a published author, you're, you know, you do a lot of different things, you're an excellent speaker and presenter. What is the core of your business? Is it sales training or LinkedIn training or a combination of both? Before March 2020, it was mainly sales training. And of course, I had Book World. This is my first book. It went international in 12 countries. So that did very well. And I did some speaking events. Since lockdown, within 48 hours, all my business disappeared. It was probably the scariest. Yeah, obviously the scariest thing that's ever happened to me business-wise. And, you know, sometimes bad things have to happen for good things to happen. And until then, my business was just about getting by. I wasn't doing great, but I was just getting by. But what lockdown did was it made me learn business very quickly. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I had to learn how to rebuild from nothing, literally nothing. I had to learn so many new skills. And I had to learn how to really, yeah, learn new skills, learn very quickly, rebuild from nothing. And that's not easy to do, especially in your late 40s. That's scary. Sure. Um, But yes, I'm so grateful I did that. And now my business is about 60% LinkedIn. It's about 25% sales training, uh, 10% speaking events, and 5% book royalties. So you have those numbers down really specific, which means you pay attention to the numbers in your business, which is really good. Because there are a lot of entrepreneurs that don't pay attention to the numbers in their business and really where their business is coming from. And I was having a conversation the other day with someone about understanding what your clients are asking you for so that you can create additional revenue streams. And it sounds like as you were coming out of the lockdown, that you were able to discover some of those avenues to be able to continue to push forward with your business. And I want to talk about that, but I want to go back just for a minute. And, you know, after 23 years of running sales for a business in London, what made you decide to want to become an entrepreneur? London is one of the greatest cities in the world. It just is. It's a fantastic city to work in. 
And I feel very grateful and very privileged to have done that. And for five of those years, I traveled the world. You know, I ran shipping conferences, I ran sales teams, shipping events. It was incredible. So you know, the way you do business in South Korea is so different to the Middle East, which is so different to Germany, which is so different to America, which is so different to Canada. And it, not just America, but you know, doing business in New York is so different to LA. And that's so different to Georgia, which is so different to Florida. So I'm quite lucky I, I had that experience many people don't have. But when you spend many years away from home working, it does have a profound impact on your marriage and on your relationship with your children and, of course, on your health. And it's one of these things, until you lose your marriage, until you get divorced, until your health really goes bad, you don't really realize how what your life has been like. And I just didn't enjoy the traveling three to four hours a day into London and back. And I wasn't enjoying the traveling as much. People think it's very glamorous, but traveling economy and staying in hotels is not glamorous. <laughs> Even airports, it's not. It's nice for a few months. It's nice to go to different countries and, and try and sightsee for a few hours if you can, but it's really hard work. And I just wasn't enjoying it. And I was saying to my bosses, I really want to work from home one or two days a week. And every boss I had kept saying, that's a stupid idea. Nobody will ever work from home. It's a dumb idea. They were, they were just so backward and ignorant in their thinking because that was the way it had always been done. And I remember a boss saying to me, if you're not happy now, you just do your own thing. And I thought, you know what? You're right. I do want to do my own thing, but I'm too chicken <laughs> because none of my family are entrepreneurs. All my family are academics. They're doctors, they're teachers, they're physiotherapists, psychologists. None of them own a business. And so I couldn't turn to any of them for advice. And the only brilliant business person I knew was my wife at the time who said to me, you're not a business person, do not start your own business. You're great at working for other people, you're not an entrepreneur, you're not a businessman, don't do it. And of course, being the dumb husband, I didn't listen to her. <laughs> and and um, I thought, what do I do here? So I wrote a book called Everybody Works in Sales. Now, if you imagine when you write a book, you're not just writing a book, you're competing with Zig Ziglar and Jeffrey Gittimer and Jeb Blunt and Mark Hunter and Brian Tracy and all the greats in the world, plus tens of thousands of people the world hasn't really heard of, but the competition is ferocious. And I thought there's nothing I can say that's more intelligent than what they say. There's nothing that's smarter than what they say. There's no way I can sound more profound or more brilliant than them. But what I have got that they haven't got is my story. And I'm a great believer when it comes to business and sales, you gotta sell your story. People remember stories more than just boring facts and figures. So I told my life story of working in London, starting off at the very bottom, working my way to middle management, losing my job in the recession, having a midlife crisis, rising to the top, and then kind of thinking, is this it? You know, so it was a roller coaster journey, a lot of vulnerability, a lot of failure, which surprised people, because people see me as a success, but they haven't seen the tremendous amount of failure I've had. And that was it, the book became successful. And I thought, okay, that's it. Look at these book royalties, I've made it. And of course, that, that shows the lack of experience and lack of intelligence, because <laughs> Having a book become a, a bestseller on Amazon and being in the charts opposite Tony Robbins one week and then Richard Branson one week and Brian Tracy, it's amazing. But you cannot make a living off it long term unless you sell millions of copies, which I didn't do, or even hundreds of thousands of copies, which I didn't do. And it was then I thought, oh crap, I've got to run a business now. And that was really, it was really three or four months into my business that I realized, okay, I've got to run a business now. 
Sorry, that was a long answer, but I thought I had to give it to you properly. No, it's great. And I think what you realize is you wrote a book, which was the catalyst for you leaving your corporate job and starting your own business. And the book had great success. And then you realized, oh crap, but I got to run a business now. And so then you started with your sales training and then the lockdown comes along and everything changes. And I think what you describe as what happened to you happened to a lot of people, including me. One of the things I'd like to ask you, Naraj, is, I mean, you came out on the other side of this in a really, really good place. You're now one of the top in the world, recognized by Salesforce.com, sales trainers. You do an awesome job at LinkedIn training. You've been able to shift your business. Tell me a little bit, and our listeners, please, sir, about overcoming the mindset around that. Because I think it's so important because our mind can be a really good thing, and then it can be a really bad thing. So tell us how you tell us a little bit about how you did that. Yeah, I see a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this, especially new ones or ones who've been in business for 10 years and they're bored. And, you know, the first thing I do with anybody I work with, no matter who you are, is you have to have a vision board. A vision board is like almost like a visual template. And it consists of two parts, Sid. The first part is a lot of the great things you've done in life. Because in life, we're very quick to criticize ourselves, but we're very slow to remember the good things we've done. So the first part of the vision board is all your achievements, both professional and personal. And the second half of the vision board is what you want to achieve in the future. And you know, my vision board when I started doing this 10 years ago was the big house, the fast car, the beautiful holidays, which I achieved. But once I achieved that, I was so disappointed. That was one of the biggest shocks of my life, I think. Getting a three-story English country house, 750,000. That's about $1.1 million. So that's, that's pretty awesome. And the first month's amazing. You feel like a rock star. You have parties. People think you're great. Then you have to start working day and night and pay for the bills. <laughs> and it's like, is this it? I'm not enjoying this. All I'm doing is working day and night to pay for the bills. And all my neighbors, they inherited money or married into money. And I was killing myself. And it's interesting looking at my vision board now, having gone through all that and been divorced and lost so much and locked down. My vision board now is my charity work. It's my daughter. It's my friends. Traveling still plays a big part of that, but nowhere is there a sports car, nowhere is there a mansion, nowhere is there a million dollars in the bank. I don't care about that anymore. And my life now has become one of serving and helping people. And as a result, I love what I do more than ever. I get less stressed out because my why is so big. A lot of entrepreneurs want to make a lot of money or they want to change the world. And the first part of it is the wrong idea to make a lot of money. I mean, money's good. I love money, just to clarify. Money is good, it gives you freedom, but it should never be your driving factor. And wanting to change the world is very noble, but very few people can do it. What you gotta try and do is change yourself first. And then once you can change yourself and improve yourself, then you can help others. And that's kind of the stage I'm at now. I haven't quite got to the Bill Gates level of changing the world. I don't quite know how to get there, but that is my aim. But until then, I serve people every day, I help people every day. People see me as a person of value and people see me as somebody who leads from the heart. You can't say that about many sales coaches. You just can't. You really can't. (laughs) Very few do that. And that's a big deal to me. And that's how I live my life. And it's why I've kind of done what I've done because my attitude and the way I do things is very different. So listening to you tell that story and listening to you talk about it, I've known you, Niraj, for what, January, probably be around a year. We met on Clubhouse. Yeah. 
as I heard you talking about LinkedIn and I popped into the rooms you were hosting and I learned a tremendous amount from you and the others and was able to actually really improve my LinkedIn game. But it takes about 30 seconds in listening to you talk in a public platform to understand that you lead from the heart. I mean, the way that you serve and serve so hard to people that are strangers on the other side of a phone is impressive. It's admirable, honestly. And but that resonates with who you are and your personality. And and I think that's what one of the things that makes you an amazing entrepreneur is that right there is because you are leading that way and you are serving that way. But you said something that I also think is really important that a lot of people need to understand and listen to very closely. You can't change and impact the world until you change yourself, until you go on that journey to improve who you are and to become better at to who you are. I mean, Naraj, we could probably talk the whole episode about this and I don't want to, but I remember <laughs> when I think back, I've been in my own business now a little over five years. And I think back to who Sid was in corporate America before I became an entrepreneur and five years later, who I am today. If you knew me and worked with me five, 10 years ago and you work with me now, I'm a completely different person. I have completely transformed in investing in myself and learning and educating myself and growing as a human being to become a better human being. And that journey that you talked about, I think is really powerful. No, thank you. And you should be getting better every day. I mean, if you'd met me two years ago on Clubhouse, I would have given you value. I would have been a nice person, but I wouldn't have connected with people as quickly. I probably would have tried to sold the people much harder than what I did. Partly because I didn't know any better. <laughs> and partly because, you know, at the time we don't often understand this as human beings said, but a lot of the time we have to go through personal tragedy or personal heartache in order to become better human beings. And at the time it doesn't make sense. I was so angry when I got divorced. 21 years of marriage, it was my decision by the way. We just kind of grew apart. And my ex-wife couldn't accept that. And she got very angry and very vindictive. And it, it affected me mentally in ways I never imagined. And the few friends I had took her side and I was left with nothing. You know, she's living in a beautiful English country house we used to live in. And I was so distraught and devastated. I left England to go live with my parents in Ireland. I mean, that's a really big step down. I felt really ashamed and I really fell hard. And my mental health was not good. My physical health was terrible. And she was still doing amazing. She's still doing amazing now, but I just didn't cope well. And so that's why I've spent so much time this year, especially beginning of the year, working on emotional intelligence, working on meditation, working on stress, having daily walks in nature, really working on me. And unfortunately, when you get to a certain age, especially for men, your late 40s, changing is so difficult. <laughs> I cannot tell you how difficult change. It is so difficult to change. And lockdown didn't help. I was stuck for five months in lockdown. I saw nobody for five months. It was horrible. So, you know, I, I really had to rebuild. It was very difficult. And as much as I hate, truly hate having gone through that process and that trauma, and it was traumatic, I'm glad I went through it because it's made me a kinder human being, a more understanding human being, a better person. And that has massively impacted me in my job because I serve other people better. Notice I didn't say I make more money, even though I do, but I'm not saying I make more money or I crush it or I kill it or I smash my profits. No, I'm a better person. And I understand people more, which means I serve them better. And then I earn more money. <laughs> so the money is the end result. And that's important. Well, 
There is so much there, and I'm going to end this section by talking about and highlighting what you said, Niraj, which is the journey that we must go through as an entrepreneur is as important as who we are on the other side, because as you said just a few minutes ago, it, it impacts our story, and we can tell our story more and better because we've been through this, and if whoever tells you that being an entrepreneur is a road that is paved and it goes straight up <laughs> is lying. Right, You're laughing because it's not true because it's a bumpy, rocky, up and down road. And I think the term entrepreneur is honestly over glamorized and people think, oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to have all this great success in 90 days. And yeah, not you're going to have to walk through some things in order to get there and go through some very uncomfortable situations and ask yourself some really difficult questions, which is what I'm here to do with you. And I just ask you some really <laughs> good questions. So let's keep going forward if that's OK with you. That's absolutely fine, Sid. Go ahead. All right, so Naraj, you've answered this already, but I want you to think about the answer maybe a little bit differently as to what's been one of your biggest challenges and how did you overcome it? When you lose all your clients within 48 hours, you really panic. What do I do now? Because I still had a mortgage to pay. And at the time, my daughter was in Australia at university in Melbourne. And I'm like, what do I do here? I, I, literally, that was it. And luckily, I'm so into personal development that I know Brian Tracy, one of my heroes, said, look, when times are tough, get a pen and paper, not Evernote, not Trello, not an iPad. No, get a pen and paper and work out 20 solutions. Have a top 20 list. And it was brilliant advice. I do this all the time. And he goes, the first five or six ideas are quite easy. When you get to 12 or 14, it starts to get really difficult. <laughs> and that's what I did. And I wrote down all these ideas. Write a second book, start a podcast, start doing master classes, you know, learn how to use this thing called Zoom, you know. And it had all these things that I planned to do. And I did it. I, I did 17 episodes of a mental health and sales podcast with another podcast host. I released my second book. I did paid for master classes. Everything I wanted to do, I did. And I learned what it was like to have multiple streams of income. Because before that, I was a sales trainer. That was my main income. And I, I spoke at events and had book royalties, which was nice, but it was really the sales training in London. And now, and I still have this now as well, it's multiple streams. It's LinkedIn, it's sales training, it's mentoring in sales, it's speaking at events. It is the two book royalties. It's the book royalties from my PDF with, with Bookboon, uh, the ebook I did. So it's multiple streams. And you have to have multiple streams. And it means that some months, like in December, sales training is very quiet, but LinkedIn training picks up and I have other revenue streams as well. In January, sales training is huge. Yeah, so it varies, but every month I'm okay because of multiple streams. So to build from nothing to multiple streams, I had to learn very quickly and take a lot of chances and do things. I've never run a masterclass before over Zoom. I've never charged online. It's a very different skill set. Doing it in person is very easy. Doing it online is difficult. So you're constantly learning, constantly growing, constantly throwing yourself in the deep end. And I was surprised how many entrepreneurs and people I knew just observed and waited to see what was happening. Whereas I just got stuck into it because I had no backup plan. All the money I had paid for my divorce, I had no savings to fall back on, which looking back on it was actually very good because it means I didn't rest. I was straight into it, you know, and that was important. 
that was very, very important. So learning all those new skills, jumping into the deep end, not being afraid to make mistakes. I did make a lot of mistakes, but it was okay. That's how I got through it. It was pig-headedness, determination. And then when lockdown finally lifted in the summer, I didn't stop. I didn't slow down. I kept going, 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 pushing, 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 because I thought, okay, I'm getting somewhere here, you know? Right. And that's, it's never one thing. People always ask me, what's the one thing I should do? And I always say, well, first of all, stop believing there's one thing you should do because it's, it's never one thing. There's several tiny things you have to do every single day, and you've got to be consistent with that. Absolutely. So I'm curious on this list of the top 20, and I love how you described it and that you created it. And I think everybody should have a top 20 list. I'm actually going to go create one now that you've said that, because I think <laughs> yeah. it's it's you're you're tying the two together creating the list and then multiple streams of of revenue and how can rather than just one thing multiple streams that can ebb and flow when one's good the other one's bad and vice versa keeps the income coming in keeps the profit coming in i'm really curious naraj where was linkedin training on that list of 20. uh linkedin training was quite far down it was towards the end and it was only when clients about a month or two after started asking me for information i thought okay i gotta start doing this so I hired a LinkedIn coach, and then I read loads of LinkedIn books, and then I started speaking events for free, which I hate doing. But I, I had to, it's like anything, when you start out doing something, you have to learn your trade, so to speak. So I speak at networking events for 20 people, and then 30 people, and then 50 people, and then 100 people. And the more people you speak at, the more times they interrupt you, and you, you have people's phones going off, and you know, people, people you know, doing what they do on Zoom. You become better and better and better. I'm a great believer when you start anything, start at the bottom and just work your way up. It's the best way to learn. And that's what I did. And after giving about 30 talks, I sort of think, okay, I can do this now with my clients. I started coaching my clients and coaching my clients and getting better and better and better. And Clubhouse was wonderful in January 2021 because I met so many talented LinkedIn, but way better than me, more talented than me, more experienced than me. And I went into their rooms really humble and just asked questions. And then after a while, I was on the stage. And after a month or two, they were asking me to join their rooms, which is great. And I joined a lunchtime one, mainly Americans. And I joined an evening one, mainly Americans as well, and a few British people. But it was fantastic. And you want to be smart at anything in life, Sid? Just surround yourself with people who are way smarter than you and ask questions. That's what I did. Okay. There's so much there. I'm going to encourage anybody listening to like hit the back button a couple of times and listen to what Naraj said again, because that is full of gold. But there's a couple of things here because it was at LinkedIn trainings at the bottom of your list. I personally believe you're one of the foremost LinkedIn trainers I've ever met with your knowledge and all the information that you share and how practical and how real you make it. Okay. You, you make it very easy for people to understand, but it was at the bottom of your list. Now it's one of your top three revenue generating um, things that you sell to clients because you invested in yourself, you learned, you educated, you read, and you practiced, and you got better and better and better. And now this is a top three um, revenue generator in your business. And that's a message for all of us because you had hard times, you knew you're going to keep going forward, you discovered things, and then you invested to build and to grow and I think each and every entrepreneur listening to this podcast has the opportunity to discover at least one, if not two more things that they want to or their customers need that they can invest in themselves and they can add revenue to their business without going to find new customers. They can go to their existing customer base with this new product or service and expand their revenue. 
So it was very powerful what you said, Naraj, and I appreciate the story about how you how you shared it and the journey that you went through. Oh, you're welcome. Look, it's really important to share this because people only see the success. How do you get so lucky? Which I hate when people ask me that. You know, how do you get lucky, or how do you get your success? And I keep saying it's because I've had so much failure, but also I invest massively in myself. You know, I invest, I'm not just a coach, I invest in coaching for me. I invest in, I used to read like two or three books a month, now I read a book a week. And, you know, I go on courses two, or two to three times a year. Plus I have an inner circle of people I ask advice from. I am constantly learning, growing, developing. I, I, I don't want to settle, and plus I enjoy it. I love the learning process. And you have to have that attitude. And a big mistake I see entrepreneurs making, Sid, is they invest very heavily in the technology side of things, but they don't know how to invest in the human side of things. So what I mean by that is they'll go to networking events and they will talk nonstop about their product, but they haven't a clue how to sell it. Most entrepreneurs are really bad salespeople. You get some who are just really slick and very cool, but a lot of them are just very bad because they don't understand sales. They will spend a fortune in technology. They will spend $20,000 a year on a business coach but they won't think of investing anything in sales. And that is where most entrepreneurs feel. They don't feel because they're lazy. Most entrepreneurs I've met are very hardworking. They don't feel because they're stupid. Most entrepreneurs are very smart. They feel because they do not invest in sales. Now, I cannot stress that enough. I see it every single day, not every week or not, every single day I see entrepreneurs feel because they do not invest in sales. I just wish I could change that more. I really do. Well, I think you're already on your path to doing that because we need sales in order to generate revenue, in order to generate profit, in order to be able to, you know, feed ourselves, feed our families, feed the people that work for us. So it's a trickle up or down effect, however you want to do it. It all starts with sales and teaching people how to do that. And you're on a mission to be sure that people understand how to do that and what that means by your sales training. And LinkedIn, again, is another powerful tool for that. Naraj, if you had to name three qualities that you believe make up a successful entrepreneur, what would those three qualities be? I don't want to give the answers. I, I imagine most people say things like persistence and relentlessness. And th- th- those are good answers, by the way. I would never disagree with that. I don't want to give those because it's too obvious. I would say invest in sales. Definitely. That is so, so important. Investing in sales is absolutely key. I would say think big because at the beginning, I thought too small. All my business when I lost it was in London or locally where I live. There was nothing else out there. Whereas in 2021, all my business is international now, which I love. I love the fact I have clients in Ontario, Buffalo, New York, Kentucky, Louisville, Portland, Oregon, in Finland, Helsinki, two clients in the Middle East, two in Spain, several in London. It's all around the world. Whereas before, it was just local. And I just... I wish I thought bigger at the beginning. I thought far too small. And as an entrepreneur, you have to work your ass off. You might as well go big. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you so, invest in sales, think big. And the third one, I don't know many people will actually mention, I'm going to mention it anyway, is take care of your health. Now, by that, I mean your mental and your physical health. Um, because a lot of entrepreneurs do struggle with their mental health. A lot of entrepreneurs I know have ADHD. A lot of entrepreneurs I know are on the spectrum of autism. You know, they have various mental health challenges. 
A lot of it comes from their addiction to hard work, their need to succeed overcoming childhood traumas, proving an ex-person wrong or a former boss wrong. There's a lot of things they're trying to prove. You've got to take care of your health. If I, if I could change anything, I wish I took better care of my health. This last few months have been great. I've lost, you know, 14 kilograms. I feel great, but it took me a long time to get there. I wish I did it sooner. And you got to take care of your mental and your physical health. Not one of, one of the two, both of them. So those are great pieces of advice, right? Invest in sales, think big, because I do think sometimes we think too small, and then take care of you both mental and physical. And I would actually add emotional health to that as well. And hopefully you guys will all start following Naraj on LinkedIn. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes as well as on Instagram. Naraj posts some great images and videos of his morning walks or his afternoon walks as he's walking through the park and they're just so relaxing. And that's mental health. That's taking care of you and your mental health right there. It is. This time of year, I don't do it because it's so cold. <laughs> it's so cold. It's November and Ireland is freezing and it's wet. And quite a few times recently, I've tried to. I've just got soaked. I'm like, this is ridiculous. My camera's wet. I can't do anything right. You know, so the more recent ones are indoors. But it is good. And, you know, again, just think of being a bit different. You know, one thing I learned, again, this is why I read so much. Uh, David Breyer, who's a personal development expert, and a guy who, Damon John, I think, one of the sharks in Shark Tank has raved about David. He said the most important thing is to stand up. And I think that's brilliant advice. And when I look at other coaches in my sector, they don't stand out. Most of them look the same, but they also sound the same. And I sound completely different. And same on LinkedIn, I sound different to so many people. You really got to think about how do you stand out? This is so, so important. And not enough entrepreneurs a lot of people think they stand out, but they don't really do. <laughs> you really got to ask yourself, how am I going to stand out in a busy, crowded market? What am I going to do that's different, that's going to get the attention of other people? So one of the ways I've heard that phrase to Naraj is playing small. A lot of times we play small and standing out and playing big to me are the same thing. That if you're playing big and you're playing full out, then you are standing out. But if you're not standing out, you're playing too small. And I think that's something that a lot of things that keep us from playing full out, if you will, or playing really big is fear. Fear is something that blocks a lot of us from because, oh, what are they going to, people are going to say when we do this or, oh, I can't do this. There's that little evil guy sitting on your shoulder that's telling you you're not worthy and all that. But if we can push all that aside and keep moving forward, just like you have, and look at all the adversity that you faced and look at where you are today, absolutely amazing. And it's a great story to share and hopefully those of you listening today have gotten a ton of inspiration from Naraj and I'm going to say the biggest thing my biggest takeaway for, from this conversation Naraj is don't quit don't stop don't give up on your dream just keep working hard keep reinventing make that list and keep going forward I talk to I say this a lot like one step forward every day you took 20 steps forward every day and I think it's pretty fantastic So, Naraj, is it okay with you if we have a little bit of fun? Yeah, please. Okay, away. So I have a deck of cards. Okay. <laughs> and on these cards are random questions. And I hopefully I get to pick some good ones that will give our listeners the opportunity to get to know you just a little bit better. Okay. Okay. So far away. Pick a number from one to 10. And I'm going to count off the cards. That's okay. My lucky number six. So, okay. Card number six to hold it up where I can read it, Naraj. Does your name have a special or significant meaning? 
And if so, what? That's a great question. It does. It means Lotus. Sadly, not the sports car. <laughs> I wish it was a sports car. It actually means a flower. Now, I never really cared much for that until a year ago. Uh, Tanya Kunze, who's a big trainer in South Africa, she told me the story of a lotus and how it grows as a flower. I said to her, my name's so boring, it means lotus. And there, I said, lotuses are amazing. I said, really? She said, they grow in mud. They grow in dirt. They are not what you consider pretty. But then years later, they blossom into something beautiful, just like you. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. Because I spent years in the muck and the dirt and fighting and not being recognized and being ignored by so many people. And all of a sudden this year, I've blossomed. And so I quite like that analogy. So thank you to Tanya Kunze in South Africa for teaching me that. But yes, that, that's what Niraj means, Lotus. It's an Indian name, but you can probably hear by my accent, it's Irish because I, I was born here and grew up here. So I'm so glad that somebody told you that story about what it really means and the power of it because as you were describing it i was like seeing this exact thing happen with you because i think it's fantastic all right pick another number from one to ten but not seven um i'll pick one. Oh, that's gonna make my job easy <laughs> top of the deck okay okay what is the most important thing to carry with you all the time oh i don't want to say my phone that's so boring <laughs> um my phone because that's where i that's where I live my life. It's where I do everything. I'm going to remove that card from the deck because that card got asked to uh, <laughs> Dr. Kristen Donnelly in episode episode uh, two. I think uh, episode three is Dr. Kristen Donnelly. And that's exactly the answer she gave your phone. But I think most people would answer that question exactly the same way. So <laughs> I'm going to remove it from the deck. That's fine. That's your number two. Then. <laughs> All right. So another question, another number from one to ten. Uh, number two. Oh, number two. One, two. I'm not going to ask you that one because that one we got asked the same on the same episode. I'm going to shuffle the deck again a little bit more, Naraj. <laughs> shuffling skills. Are well, I say three. It's going to be boring now. So let's go with number four. All right, number four. What do you consider yourself an expert at? Leading from the heart. Yeah. Okay, that is not what I thought you were going to say, but I absolutely <laughs> love it. It fits perfectly because you know what I thought you were going to say. Yeah, probably LinkedIn training, maybe. But here's the thing. There are literally now on LinkedIn thousands, and I mean thousands of LinkedIn trainers. Mm -hmm. And some of them are very good. Some of them are really bad, sadly. And I hear a lot of the ones that are really bad. They come into my rooms on Clubhouse or LinkedIn, ask me for advice. And then two weeks later, I see them advertising on Instagram or Facebook as, as LinkedIn experts. I'm like, hang on a second. You were in my room two weeks ago saying you can't find leads and you don't know how this works. I'm like, you shouldn't be asking me those basic questions if you're really a LinkedIn trainer or a coach and now you're calling yourself an expert on Instagram. And, you know, but a lot of them look the same and sound the same and act the same and behave the same. And I don't really know what distinguishes many of them. But leading from the heart, not many coaches and not many trainers can say that. They will say dumb things like, hi, I'm an award-winning coach. Guess what? Nobody cares. <laughs> or I'm a best-selling author. No, you've self-published a really bad book. That's what, you know, but you know, it's about standing on and leading from the heart to me really says something that a lot of people don't say enough of in their work. Yeah. It's a great answer, my friend. And I really appreciate the way that you did it. Not what I would have expected, but I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. All right. I, I got a bonus card just because I want to ask you a bonus question. Okay. okay. If you were a bartender, which famous person would you most like to serve? Oh, um, 
if it was alive, it'd be Bruce Springsteen. Okay. Because he shares a lot with the values I have. He is about, he shows people a great time. He leads from the heart. He fights for good causes. Uh, to those listening on audio, I currently have a ridiculous handlebar mustache. Because uh, I'm fundraising for November, charity for mental health. I do this every year. It's my ninth year doing it. So again, causes like this are important to me. Every month, I'm always raising money for different charities because that's what I'm about. It's part of my life. And Springsteen's like that as well. He's always fighting for good causes, raising money for good causes. He's one of the few celebrities out there that takes a political stance. Let me rephrase that. A good political stance. <laughs> <laughs> nice reframe, Niraj. Um, nice reframe. Yeah. You have people like James Woods who do dumb ones and make really dumb comments, but Bruce is fantastic, and I just love to chat to him. Yep. You know? Just talk to him because I have all his CDs and I have his autobiography, Born to Run, which is amazing. And for Christmas, I'm going to get his Renegades book with Barack Obama, and just I think he's amazing. So definitely him. Somebody dead oh, at the Sherman Bar, I think Martin Luther King, because I think he was so good at what he did. And the way he did it, he's again, people don't realize he spent so he had, the guy was arrested so many times, rejected so many times, ignored so many times, misunderstood by so many people in America. He was trying to do good and nobody took him seriously. And it wasn't until about a decade later that the famous watch in marching in Washington that he finally got the recognition he really deserved. So, yeah, I'd love to meet him. Both of those are great, um, great answers. And I'm going to actually, because you didn't talk about it on this episode, but there's a hidden rock and roller in you from back in the day, is there not? Yes, that's right. <laughs> my, my dream is never to my dream is never to be in sales. And if anybody thinks, you know what, 18 years old, I'm going to get a job in sales. I'm going to be, a, there was no LinkedIn back then. But yes, sure. my, my dream was to be the Indian Bon Jovi at that stage because Springsteen, I, I worship now as an adult and have done so for a long time, but as an 18 year old, Bon Jovi were my favorite band. And they remain my favorite band for almost 10 years. I was actually a member of the Bon Jovi fan club in New Jersey as well. <laughs> that oh, was back in the days that. when you'd send postal checks in the post <laughs> because you couldn't pay any other way, That's you know? Right. Um, That's awesome. And I was 16, so I didn't have a bank account. So I had to get money to the post office to create postal orders to send to New Jersey. It was incredible. And I wanted to be the Indian Bon Jovi. I worship Bon Jovi. Yep. And this is before Slippery Wind Wet, by the way. This is when the first two albums came out. Then Slippery Wind Wet, then New Jersey. And Slippery Wind Wet and New Jersey are two of the greatest rock albums of all time. They are just, even today, 30 years later, just, they bring so much joy and happiness into my life, always. And I've seen them 11 times in concert. Wow. First nine times, they were truly world-class. The last decade, sadly, they've been pretty awful. They just, John Bon Jovi's finished as a singer. He has been for a long time, but like a lot of these rock stars, he hangs in there. But yeah, not great anymore, but I wanted to be Bon Jovi as a kid because I grew up in working class, well, in America, you call it blue-collar Ireland. It was boring it was depressing it was nothing to do and as an indian kid i suffered a horrible amount of racism and violence and just fights and it was just it was horrible and so all i wanted to do was escape and for me i, I had the impression that if i became a rich rock star my problems would be solved and i'm so glad i feel so horribly as a singer and didn't make it because i know for a fact if i did become rich and famous age 22 
by 24, I'd be bankrupt. <laughs> I didn't have the emotional intelligence and maturity to handle the money, or God knows I'd be in rehab. I, I, just, I would never have made it. I would have burnt out within a year to two years if I ever made it. So I'm glad I didn't make it when I was young. I didn't have success when I was 39, which is quite late in life, you know? Well, but I'm going to say this. Everybody listening, I think it's a really good idea now why you are an amazing entrepreneur. All the things that you've done, how much you're investing in yourself, the learning or the embracing the opportunities to propel forward, to try new things and leading from the heart and serving hard to people. I'm so honored that you joined me today for this conversation. It's been a pleasure sharing a little bit of your story and all your insights with our listeners. If our listeners would like to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? No matter how many times I say to people, go to everybodyworksinsales.com. They all just follow me on LinkedIn. <laughs> so just go to, go, go to LinkedIn. It's N-I-R-A-J-A-A-P-U-R and just follow me there. But you're still welcome to go to Everybody Works in Sales and download my free sales PDF, you know, get into my newsletter. But people just follow me on LinkedIn. All right. So we're going to do a couple of things here. We're going to put a link to the book, Everybody Works in Sales. We will put a link to your website, Everybody Works in Sales, and then we will drop your LinkedIn profile there for them to have access to. That'll be in the show notes and on the webpage if you're on the web listening. And just one reminder is if you do reach out to Naraj on LinkedIn and you send the request to join it to be to connect with him, please be sure you add a note and let him know you heard his episode here on the Amazing Entrepreneurs Club, and that is why you're connecting with him. So that's a golden rule of LinkedIn, is it not, Naraj? Oh, please. And when people send me a personal, when you send anybody a personalized invite, you immediately stand out. And if after connecting, you leave a voice note, again, it's about standing out. I leave voice, I left one, one, two, three, four, five, eight voice notes today. Two were happy birthday voice notes to my, just people I know. A few of them were voiced saying, well, you know what, I love that post you did. I thought it was really brave. I thought it was courageous. I just wanted to say, I wish I did it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> congratulations to you. And then one person was saying, look, thank you. I was offered to be another podcast. I can't make it my way on business to London next week. But, you know, but again, it's standing out and voice notes and just personalized invites are such important ways of doing business, you know? So, Naraj, are you still hanging out on Clubhouse? I've cut back massively. Okay. Partly because it doesn't quite have the same excitement that it sure. happened. I mean, the beginning it was great. Yeah. And I'm so grateful for the friends. I'm meeting people like you. And that was so cool. But it's the guys who ran it, the people who founded it, just didn't do a very good job in liaising with people like myself. They really were very sloppy that way. They didn't invest in their customer services. That's a good lesson for entrepreneurs. You know, reach out to people and talk to them. Sure, absolutely. Well, I w I'm going to say this. If you do have the opportunity and you see Naraj on Clubhouse and you see him talking about LinkedIn, pop into that room because he's going to drop some amazing nuggets for you. Naraj, thank you again for joining me. It's been a pleasure having you on. I appreciate it very much. To all of you listening, check out the show notes to find all the contact information for Naraj. Go out there and make today great. And we will see you next week right here in the Amazing Entrepreneurs Club. Fantastic to see you, Sid. Take good care. Thanks for joining us today. I hope you got some amazing value out of today's episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and follow us along this journey. 
And don't forget to visit our website at amazingentrepreneurs.club for additional information, tools, and resources to help you grow and your business grow. Go out there and make today great, and we'll see you next week. Take care.